the Bible class. Okay, so the names and titles of Jesus. By the way, any questions or comments first before we begin, like, like something you ran across the newspaper or something like this, uh, uh, something you saw at Thanksgiving. Um, okay, no questions, comments? Okay, so in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, um, famously we hear this name, this, this line, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And, and we live in an age where names do not carry the freight they used to. Um, people change names. You know, actors and actresses have changed their names. They have a stage name, right? Authors change their names. You know, people write under a pseudonym, et cetera, like this. Um, and names oftentimes are not chosen for any reason other than, oh, I like that name. Okay, uh, basically reflecting to an extent um, our, our culture's uh, mode from changing from thinking to feeling, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but is this way of treating a name, how the Bible treats the name of Jesus and the other names by which he is called and the titles by which he is called? And, and obviously not. Okay, so we want to talk about uh, the names and titles of Jesus. You will notice the second sheet that I've appended to, to the study today, um, 101 Biblical Names and Titles of Jesus. Okay, so take a look at that. Uh, take it home with you. Um, write on a piece of paper if you have a specific name or title of Jesus that you might want to look at. Uh, towards the end of the study, uh, I'll make room for that. Okay? Uh, towards the end of the study, I do want to cover some major things such as, you know, Jesus, Christ, Lord, Redeemer, Savior, uh, Emmanuel, since we're getting to the, to the Advent Christmas season, there's so many, so many that, uh, what does it mean that he's called the Son of Man? There's several that, that are, I think are necessary for us to understand, but, but many of these are, are rich and they expose a great theological insight. So, so write it down on a piece of paper, hand it to me next week or the week after. I'll be teaching for five weeks, um, including um, um, uh, the the last, last Sunday um, of the year when we don't have Sunday school, that Sunday between Christmas and, and stuff. Is, I, we will have adult Bible class, but no Sunday school that week. So, so just look at those names. I think it's fascinating to look at all these names and titles of, of Jesus. Okay. In the Bible, names are important. Uh, names reveal the character of a person, or names will reveal how God will use that person uh, sometimes names indicate God's blessings also upon Israel or God's judgment upon Israel. So names reveal God's will, and, and we'll talk about the name of God very, very quickly here. So, for example, Abram, which means exalted father, is changed to Abraham, father of a multitude. Now, Sarai and Sarah both would mean princess. There's not much of a change of meaning right there. Jacob's name, when he wrestles with God, is changed to Israel, um, which means that he strives with God. That's what the name Israel means. Uh, whenever you see an E-L at the end of a name in the Bible, that indicates the, the word God. In Hebrew, um, God is Elohim. And, and I don't want to get uh, much further than that. Elohim if you see an A-H at the end of a name, 
That comes from God's personal name, Yahweh. Okay, and that's a that's an A H. And so you and and there's and there's all sorts of other things if you look in, in Hebrew. Um, for example, the name Joel is J O E L. Because the first Joel is is I don't, forget the, ver, the 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 vowels, but that comes Yahweh is God, or the God or the true God is Yahweh. I mean, however you could you could go both ways with with that. Um, now, interesting about Jacob is that is that as opposed to Abram, after he's called Abraham, he's never called Abram again. Jacob will be called Jacob, and, and I've yet to figure out uh, the rhyme or reason why sometimes he's called Jacob, why he's called Israel, but, but you see the Israel. And that's kind of important because when you think about the 12 tribes of Israel, it means they have a common lineage. They all from Jacob, who was given the promise just like to Abraham and to Isaac, and to Jacob, the promise of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Eve, uh, Adam calls, names Eve, the mother, and Eve means mother of all the living, comes from the Hebrew word to live or to be. Um, we've interestingly, in first, in, in Hosea chapter one, first chapter of Hosea, Hosea is a book of judgment, basically, because God is fed up with um, Israel's apostasy. The northern kingdom's apostasy. When I say Israel in this context, it's the northern kingdom. How, most of you remember that, that after Solomon dies, the kingdom is divided into a northern kingdom called Israel, southern kingdom called Judah. Okay? And so Hosea is written to the northern kingdom, Israel, and God says this, uh, you're going to have a first child, Luruchamah, and a second child, Loami. And then, uh, Hosea has these two children, and the first means no mercy, and then not my people. Okay, now it's interesting, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says that once you're, uh, but now you've received mercy, and now you're the people of God. And so Hosea's been reversed now for you and me in our baptism. But we who were afar off have now been brought near and made part of the people of God. Okay, and then of course, um, we, and I'm just going over the importance of names. I could go over, there's many, many other examples um, including some rather interesting ones in, in the Old Testament. Very long, but we don't have time to go into that. Luke 1.13, where the angel says this to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. The name John is related to the, to the, um, to the Hebrew word for grace. For grace, okay? So... Any questions or comments so far about the importance of names in the Bible? And many of you remember this, right? God telling you will be named this, and so names are, are important. And, um, and names uh, sometimes are changed. It's very interesting, the book of Daniel, um, you say Daniel and the lion's den, right? Um, but you don't say Belshazzar and the, and the lion's den, do you? Daniel keeps the name of Daniel versus Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Haziel, Israel, and Azariah, right? Okay, so, so we know them by their Babylonian names, but we know Daniel by his, by his Hebrew name. And so that's a, that's a whole other thing about, about names. Okay, questions, comments? Okay. Yes, Dennis. Yeah, Nabal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I always think about Hosea when he names these children. I'm thinking, you know, what's Lo Ruchome and, and Lo Ami 
how are they going to be on the playground, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, I, that's, it's, no, I, okay, okay, these are just, you know, speculations, and, and, and Nabal means, well, that's a very typical, that's one of the classic examples, I didn't put it here, but um, that, that's one of the typical ones when we look at this, this whole subject up in, the, in, um, in, in commentaries about, about the nature of name, that was, that, I bet I didn't put it in there, I could have, there's many other names I could have done to show God intentionally naming someone and, and also name reflects character. And so we see this in, 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 in names throughout the Bible. Okay, so I just want to comment a little bit about the name of God. For example, we know that he's called El Shaddai. El Shaddai is, okay, El is, a, is also meaning God. More typically, it's Elohim, but... Um, but El or El is God, and so Almighty Shaddai is the word Almighty. In, in, in Hebrew, your, your adjective would be uh, following the noun. Okay, so El Shaddai means God Almighty. But here we have um, uh, God's personal name, Yahweh. Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing to the Lord, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the desert. His name is the Lord, exult before him. And you'll see right there, you see this commonly in the Old Testament that, that the, the background word, where you have the four bleachers, there you go. Uh, so, so, anyway, so, um, you will, your Old Testament will use all caps for Lord, and that reflects that, that the people of God respected God's name so much that they refused to even try to pronounce it. Basically, I, what I did right here, rather than putting Yahweh, I just put the four consonants, and I put the four consonants there in, in Hebrew because it's supposed to be impronounceable. And so they honored God's name so much that they would say the Hebrew word for Lord. In, in our Hebrew Bibles that we as pastors use, we don't use a, an unmarked Hebrew Bible. There was developed later on after um, the centuries a, a way of putting uh, vowel marks to show you how to pronounce words. Hebrew itself has no vowels. If you go to modern Israel, there are no vowels on street signs, etc. like this. They're just all consonants. And so you have to know what vowels match the consonants, etc. like this. Okay, and that's a, but there's, we have a cheater system in, in, our, in the Hebrew Bible that I use that, that gives you vowel points. Okay, and so the vowel pointing, whenever you see these four consonants for, for Yahweh, okay, I'll, I'll say it that way, the, the vowel pointing is the vowel pointing for the, for the Hebrew word Adonai, which literally means Lord. And I don't, have you ever heard this before or something like this? And so you have this wonderful verse, for example, Psalm 110, verse 1. If anyone has your Bible, turn to Psalm 110, verse 1. You will see this. This is just one example. Um, and, and what it says is, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, the Lord, the first Lord, and that will be the all caps, Yahweh, and then the second one will be the word Adonai, which is my Lord. And of course, um, Jesus himself quotes this um, in, during Holy Week. And of course, in Greek, it, it ends up being just the word Kyrios, where we get the Kyrie from, which is the Greek word for Lord. And so the Lord said to my Lord. But so this is why you, you will see in your, in your English Bibles, Lord, all caps, indicates the name of God is actually behind that. Versus if you see Lord capitalized, then the small O-R-D is, is Lord. Okay, now 
Now, in Exodus 3.14, is, is, any questions or comments? I really want to get to the name of Jesus first, but I, but I thought I have a preamble right here to talk about the importance of names in the name of God. So, Exodus 3. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to this people, I am has sent me to you. Now, I am who I am is the name of the Lord, but it's related, I mean, the verb I am is reflected in the name Yahweh. I really don't want to go into Hebrew morphology too much here, so, um, or, or, or etymology and, and linguistics, but, but it is related to, to this. And, and so he's great on, this is why when Jesus says in John 8, 58, um, before Abraham was, I am. John 8, 59, they pick up stones to stone him because he's claiming to be the God of the burning bush. By the way, he is. And that's a really key theological in, uh, insight is to understand it's Christ who sends Moses into, into Egypt to free his people because it's really a, fore, a, a foreshadowing of, of his later work of freeing all of mankind from sin, death, and hell by, him, by himself. So before Abraham was, I am. And, and our Lord Jesus is claiming in John 8, 58 to be the God of Abraham, the God who spoke to Abraham. And of course, we believe that, that the pre-incarnate Christ did appear to Abram or Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre. And that's another story in Genesis, but that's, we, let's not go any further than that. Yes, Ina, yes. No, it, 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 it would be, you know, it wouldn't be, I, it'd be the straight I am, but it does reflect the, his I am thus, or I will be who I will be. You know, it's very hard to translate Exodus 3.14. No, no, not in that one. No, 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 not, not, not in that. So, so um, and, and there's a whole other study, and many years ago I did, I did offer a study where I went through the I am sayings of Jesus. And, and for example, when Jesus is crossing um, and walking on water, and, and they're afraid, they think it's a ghost, Jesus says, you know, um, I am. And it's actually reflecting that, that he is the Lord right there. Or, or when they come to arrest him, he says, I am, and they all fall away from him. Okay, why? Because he's claiming to be God. Okay, so, it's, uh, so you, you look at the, the, these I am phrases, and it really it's, it's kind of a fascinating study. But let's get into a very important uh, thing about the name of God. Um, Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Notice it's in the name or into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Singular name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're baptizing the name. But it's more than just... Um, as we know from the rest of the New Testament, it's more than just, okay, baptized into the Lord, but it's specifically the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who has rescued us through Christ's death and resurrection. Hence, Paul will speak in Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2 that you've been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. And so to be baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is also to be baptized into Christ's death and his resurrection. And so you now have new life in, in Jesus. I, I, I'm not going too fast, am I? So, so, so the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not just that they're there, 
but they're an act of God who saves us by grace through faith in, in Jesus Christ. So it's always about the work of Christ. So this form of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is connected to Christ's worth, and especially, specifically, it's the risen Christ who says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, who speaks the words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so it's deeply associated, the, our baptism is deeply associated with Christ's completed work of death and resurrection. He does not give out the sacrament of baptism until he has died and risen. Does that make sense? Okay, so now you get the full benefits of what Christ has accomplished for you, and you're baptized into that, and now you are his. And so this is just this is great. So, and, and of course, there's a great Trinitarian passage, and um, it's very good. Well, sometimes, now, now this does have to do the name, but it also has to do with just, I have an opportunity to show you something very special. Um, I love LSB. Great hymnal. It's a truly great hymnal. I mean, there's all sorts of positive aspects about LSB. However, the introduction to LW is gold. Um, uh, the, and I want to read to you from the introduction. It's written by um, uh, one of my professors at, at the St. Louis Seminary, who had tremendous influence on, on, on so many pastors across the Senate, a, a, a true man of God, very, but who spoke Christ very well. And so this is the introduction to Lutheran worship. And, and so it'll talk about the name, but I also just want to expose you to this. And so I uh, take this as a gift from Schumacher to you. Okay. <laughs> Our Lord speaks, and we listen. His word bestows what it says. Faith that is born from what is heard acknowledges the gifts received with eager thankfulness and praise. Music is drawn to this thankfulness and praise, enlarging and elevating the adoration of our gracious giver, God. Saying back to him what he has said to us, we repeat what is most true and sure. Most true and sure is his name, which he put upon us in the water of our baptism. We are his. This we acknowledge at the beginning of the divine service. Where his name is, there is he. That's very important. Where his name is, there is he. Notice that the baptism, you're not just baptized into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. His name is his presence. This is why, for example, um, we say in the Lord's Prayer, what do we say in the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be thy name. We also say, what's the second commandment? What's the second commandment? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So his name is his presence and his character. And so, so where he puts his name, that's where he is. And, and that's why his name is so, so precious. And of course, you live in, a, in an age, and I live in an age too, where the name of God is just so flippantly used, right? Flippantly used, and it, and just, it, it becomes almost meaningless. Um, and okay, just a little aside, I, I always remember um, okay, thinking, you know, you had this, uh, um, on one hand, and it's kind of, we live in a kind of weird age where, where I mean, people will, will acknowledge, you know, science, right? And science has the answers, and yet at the same time, they want to be all, all emotive, right? It just, it's just nonsensical. And, and both of these are, are rejecting Christ, right? And so, for example, there, there was the previous age where, where science is going to give us all the answers. And, and hence, you, you have this optimistic view of science and knowledge. And it's reflected maybe in the, in the, the old show 
um, Star Trek, right? Um, and the very first Star Trek movie, I, I, I came across and, and I thought, I came out of the movie, and, and, and in that movie there's curse words. I'm saying, this is rather strange. I thought you had no use for anything but, but materialism. So why are you using flippant curse words? Why are you being so shallow? In other words, in other words I just found that inconsistent. Um, that, that to, but you see the name of God being trampled on left and right. But as you see in the ancient, ancient Hebrews, they wouldn't even dare pronounce the name of the Lord. That's how much they honored God's name. And, and so, for example, we honor God's name, too, quite often. I mean, it's, it's not necessary. It's an adiaphora. Is, is when you hear, glory be to the Father and to the Son and Holy Spirit, some people bow their heads at the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or, or for example, many, many people, again, it's not necessary, will make the sign of the cross, the, the invocation, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you hear the name of the Lord, you know he's present. This is good. So let's continue with Dr. Nagel. I hope I didn't take us away from this too much. Where his name is, there is he. Before him, we acknowledge that we are sinners and we plead for forgiveness. His forgiveness is given us, and we freed and forgiven and claim him as our great and gracious God as we apply to ourselves the words he has used to make himself known to us. The rhythm of our worship is from him to us, then from us back to him. He gives us gifts, and together we receive and extol them. We build one another up as we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Our Lord gives us his body, to eat and his blood to drink. Finally, his blessing moves us out to our calling, where his gifts have their fruition. How best to do this, we may learn from his word, from the way he has prompted his worship through the centuries. We are heirs of an astonishingly rich tradition. Each generation receives from those who went before in making that tradition of the divine service its own. Adds what best may serve in its own day, the living heritage and something new. Okay, and so this is reflects our theology of worship, is uh, we call it the divine service. He serves us first, and from what he gives, then we praise, we pray, and then we go out to serve in our calling in our day-to-day life. And so blessed by him with word and sacrament, now we can be, you know, faithful workers, faithful, you know, um, brother, sister, son, daughter, husband, wife, mother, father, grandson, grandfather, uh, all our callings, you know, um, and, and obviously we're multiple callings in, in our age, but it all stems from what God gives and being in the divine service where his name is present. When you approach the divine service, always remember, for example, the tabernacle at the institution of the tabernacle and at the dedication of the temple. God's glory filled the tabernacle and filled the temple so, to show his presence is there that they couldn't even be be. They, they had to exit it because his glory was so great. Okay. Where is God's glory specifically located right now? It's in the divine service where his presence is. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, where two or three are gathered, what? In my name, there am I in your midst. And we gather in his name, and we know he is in our midst. And so this is very much a picture of heaven, an anticipation of the glory that is to be revealed at the last day. And by the way, this is the last Sunday of the church here. We begin a new, new church here next Sunday. Okay, so, so to be in the divine service and receive his gifts is, is, is so very, very wonderful. And, and the blessing of, of word and sacrament, and then to be able to confess his name in, in, the, in the creeds is, is, is so wonderful. Okay, 
Well, I've taken us a little bit far afield, but I, do, I did want to, to note that we begin in his name, and where he puts his name, there is he. And in the divine service, what's going on? And that's why we cherish the name of our Lord in the divine service, but also in, in our lives. And he has put his name upon you in the waters of baptism, and you carry his name. And where he has his name, he has his promise. And where he has his promise, you are safe. So this is why we consistently live in our baptism. And, and so how did we begin Bible study? How did I begin the Bible study today? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Beginning, and this is modeling the morning prayer, where we, who have a tendency towards a certain form of polytheism, i.e. putting many things ahead of God during our day, we begin our day, and this is the catechism, as God's baptized child. And then we close the day, likewise, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what Luther is directing us to do in the catechism is living in his name, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. More specifically now, we want to talk about the name of Jesus. Are there any questions or comments? Anything that, that's come to your mind so far? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Shem, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they refer to him as Hashem, which would be the name. And, and so, but, but specifically, oftentimes, that's where you get Lord from. And so, why in the Old Testament you see capitalized Lord? And by the way, we're gonna, we will um, look at, at why Jesus is called Lord. Um, if I get to today, uh, I don't know if we will get that far, but I, I, I didn't print it out, right? So it's, I, I got this much on a sheet because I wanted to give you this, this sheet. Again, in a little commercial, look at the names and titles of Jesus and see what piques your interest. Now, if I get 45 responses, I'll just throw up my hands and put them in a hat. So it's a, um, and so we'll see. But, but towards the end, I, I don't want to make it fun. I've been, I've been doing this uh, um, for the high school youth for a few weeks, and I thought I'd, I'd kind of you know, put it on, on a little bit of steroids for the adults here and, uh, and, uh, and teach you and go into a little bit more in depth. Yes, go ahead. Yahweh said to Adonai? Adonai, the Lord said to my Lord, so, so this is the Father speaking to the Son. Yeah. Yeah. And so, is that Yahweh saying yeah, to Adonai? Yeah. The, the Hebrew words behind that, my point is right there, is you can see the Hebrew words behind the first word is Yahweh uh -huh. in Psalm 110, verse 1, and the Hebrew word behind the second Lord is, is actually Adonai, right, right there. And, 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 of course, in the New Testament, when Jesus quotes it, it's, it's Lord, Lord both times, and, and he does this. You see this both in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus quotes this, Psalm 110, verse 1. Okay, um, yes, yes, Ina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, vain. It, it's so often it's easy to use the name of God in a and not not intentionally in a not intentionally in a pejorative manner or or in a in a in a pagan manner, but it's very easy for us Christians to use the name of Jesus, the name of God, the name of the Father in a rather flippant way, not understanding the seriousness of of of, of God Almighty. And and I think partially, for example, in the in the words of the and um 
There's a moment in the divine service saying, holy, 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 what? Lord God of Sabaoth. And by the way, it's not Sabbath, it's Sabaoth, which means host, the armies of God. He's the Lord of the angel armies. And it's in Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah is, is seeing kind of this glory of the Lord. And of course, his reaction is to fall down, I'm dead. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. And so this God in his holiness, his holiness revealed in his glory. And so it's this awesome moment. But then we switch, so we are in the presence of an awesome God. But that God is a God who saves because he forgives Isaiah's sins and then commissions him to speak his word. Okay? And then we combine that with Palm Sunday, where they are speaking about Christ. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But they aren't understanding, right? But we do. The word Hosanna is related to the name Jesus. We'll get into the name Jesus now. This is my segue, right? <laughs> um, Hosanna comes both comes from the Hebrew word to save. And we ask, and, and, and the Jews on Palm Sunday were meaning save now. You're coming to Jerusalem, you who do all these miracles. Save now. The Messianic age must come now. And it does. It's called the cross, right? But not the way they were intending it. And so, so it's just a reversal. And so, so we use that Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, in the true sense, because now Christ gives us his body and his blood. It's a really wonderful time, a very, a truly awesome time of the divine service, when you understand Isaiah 6 and Palm Sunday are behind this. And who's writing in Jerusalem? Why is he writing in Jerusalem? It's to save now. And that's what I'm getting, salvation now, his body and his blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Okay. So let's go into the name of Jesus. Let's see if I can get a little bit into this, right? Okay. So, um, by the way, linguistically, Jesus and Joshua are the same name, right? Uh, Yeshua. Or, yeah, actually, the first rendition was Ye Yehoshua, which is shortened to Yeshua in Nehemiah. Um, and it means uh, Yahweh is salvation, or Yahweh causes or brings about salvation. Um, in in Hebrew, there's a verb form, and it's an inflected language, that, that means to cause something to happen. So God is going to cause something to happen. It's going to cause salvation to happen. Now, in the case of Joshua, it's causing his salvation to happen. They will receive the promised land in the Old Testament. In the case of Jesus, is God is causing salvation to happen in him. This is why he's given the name of Jesus. So, for example, Matthew 1.21 she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, so there in Matthew, it's given to Joseph. We have two separate accounts. You have the Joseph account in Matthew chapter 1, and in Luke chapter 1, we're going to get into that right now. Um, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be called Great, and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now you notice in, in the name Jesus right there is more the, the, the sense of Jesus' kingship and his eternal kingdom because he's the eternal King David as promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So that's more in, in Luke. Matthew's more direct. He will save his people from their sins. But of course we know how does he accomplish? If you look through the Gospel of Luke, boom. He dies and he rises. I mean, it's the same, same Jesus. It's not conflicting Jesus um, about, about that. 
So it's, it's, just, it's just utterly marvelous. So this is where he's to be given the name Jesus. And it's, um, and by the way, I just got a little aside about the book, the, the name Joshua. You know, it's always, always funny because when you get into the book of, of Hebrews, and Hebrews is written in Greek, right? The book of Hebrews, the Old, New Testament is written in Greek. So all of a sudden you see the name Jesus all over the place, but you realize there is, it's really, but your English Bibles will say Joshua. So you aren't, aren't confused. It's, it's the same, same name. And I, I don't want to go into um, linguistic how that happens, but Yahweh will cause salvation. And that's what Jesus' name is. So, so Jesus' name is chosen intentionally to indicate his prime work, is to cause salvation. Okay, and we're going to get into the word Savior and the nuance. And the, the word Savior has a much deeper uh, meaning than, than maybe um, it's quite often popular uh, understanding. So we're going to actually Savior, Redeemer um, are, are some of the things that we're going to talk about. Okay, um, now, now this is very important to understand that, that Jesus is his human name. Um, Luke 2.21 at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So at eight days old, according to the promise given to Abraham, he was circumcised to give him the name Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean that Mary and Joseph didn't call him Jesus ahead of time, but now he's officially Jesus. So, for example, um, you know, especially nowadays, we know the sex of the baby and stuff like this. People can call their baby by their name ahead of time, right, this but, but now in our, our situation, you get your name legally when they give you a birth certificate, right? Right, and up until that time, you can change the name, right? And so, uh, so, so for example, I know examples where, where you know, they're gonna name their child's XYZ name, then the child is born, and all of a sudden it was uh, uh, LMNOP. I mean, it's just another, a different name. And that's fine, that's fine, because there's no, no need to change the name right there. And so, so in, in Hebrew society, at eight days old, the male child was given his name. So, so now you can call him Jesus officially. And you notice in the Christmas account, he's never called Jesus until Luke 2, 21. And by the way, this is, a, remember last year I had, had a study, Luke 2 is, is seen as one unit, especially Luke 2, 1 through 40. And we, at this time of year, we, we tend to create this ghetto of just, you know, um, things and shepherds and, and, and of course there were no magi at, at Christmas but it's a but we, we tend to not understand the relationship of Luke 2 20 shepherds return praising God and, and Mary treasure and ponder these things up in her heart and Luke 2 21 where he's given the name Jesus at eight days old then immediately Luke 2 22 he's brought to the temple and that's where he's the the the, the uh, dedication right there okay so he's given the name Jesus and this is why um Sometimes I'll let my language slip, but I try never to use the name Jesus when I'm speaking about the pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament. Because he's not incarnate yet. He's not given the name Jesus yet. Okay? Now he's there. I mean, there's a whole other study. He is all over the, the place. And I, I, I just praise God. My, my, my mentor in the seminary wrote the textbook called The Word Becoming Flesh. That's what we used. Uh, for, for, for their seminary training. So, so to see Christ throughout the Old Testament, boom, 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 boom. I'll keep you here until Christ returns to show you the Old Testament and, and the presence of Christ. But he's given the name Jesus to this little baby who's lame, you know, who's brought to be circumcised. And by that time, I think maybe Joseph was moved beyond a manger. I, I'm not quite sure. But we do know that they're in a house by the time the Magi come. Okay, so, so but it's very important to understand name is given that it's his human name, but he's also true God and true man, okay? 
So, so there's never a point, point in time in which this infant, either in Mary's womb, remember, John the Baptist leaps in his presence in Luke chapter 1. John the Baptist in the womb knows he's in the presence of the Lord. And so he's always the Lord of heaven and earth, even as he is in Mary's belly growing and growing and growing and growing until he's finally delivered. And so this is the Lord God who's given the name Jesus. Now, of course, we, we kind of go back and forth. We use the name Jesus quite properly as the name of God, quite properly. For example, the table prayer that many of us use, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let thy gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Okay, and so it's quite proper because when we pray to Jesus, we're praying to God or man. Bad question, right? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. He's God and man. So, so we don't want to deny that, but I think... We do need to remember specifically that the name Jesus is given to this earthly little baby. And so, for example, we have this marvelous passage in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's the name of Jesus every name is going to bow. The name of this baby, you know, being circumcised eight days old, at his name, every knee is going to bow. And so, so I, I think it's just a marvelous passage, and we blow over it so, so quickly. But it's this human name, but he's the exalted one because he's true God and true man, both in the manger, but also right now and in his church. So to use the name of Jesus as the name of God is entirely possible, but how is this possible? Because the union in the incarnation of God and man in Christ Jesus, so that there is one Christ, true God and true man. And so this is very, very important to understand the union, the, the incarnation of our Lord. And not we don't have two Jesuses, you know. We don't have a Jesus who's man, and then Christ is God, you know, kind of, and then kind of like this monstrosity. No, he has full human nature, full divine nature, true God and true man all at the same time. So the name of Jesus is this earthly name, but now it's the name by which we are saved and it's precious on our lips. And yes, you should use it as the name of God, but just realize how this is, this is possible because of the promises and, and the incarnation that he is true God and true man in, in one person. Does this make sense? Okay. So, so in Matthew chapter 28, this great commission, okay. And Jesus, I made it bold and underlined it, um, came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, so this is Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, even according to his human nature, because he is the exalted one. Now, now, this never means that he couldn't have used it. We know, for example, at his transfiguration, Jesus glowed like the sun, right? So he always had this divine nature, but he chooses to hide it. Why? What Roman soldiers could put a nail and a glowing Jesus. <laughs> it ain't happening, right? So he hides his true glory for your sake and mine so that he would redeem us from our sins. Okay? But Jesus, so this, this one given his name at his circumcision, who walked around Galilee, says this, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And because all authority is given to him, now the exalted, crucified, and resurrected one, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is not, you know, somebody standing up there and saying, I am 
Go therefore and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, it's his actual human vocal cords saying this. The reason I do that, I'm kind of mimicking, you know, the, the Cecil B. DeMille Bill, uh, Ten Commandments movie, The Burning Bush, right? You know, so, so it's not some, some sort of ghostly verse. When, it, when Jesus, the man, risen from the dead, says, I am with you always, that means he is with us. Where? Right now, especially in the divine service. And, and how this applies is actually very important, because this was a, a Reformation issue. Because the Zwinglians could not believe that he could be in the Lord's Supper. Because on the other side of Jupiter, essentially. That's what his ascension means. That's not what his ascension means. So when Jesus says, I am with you always, to the end of the age, it is true God and true man, this one circumcised at eight days old, born of the Virgin Mary, who is with us always, true God and true man. And the book of Hebrews would take this up, knowing that he was tempted every way like we are, yet we, we can come to him. This is very comforting. So when you pray, come Lord Jesus, or in your, in your deepest despair, you pray, dear Lord Jesus, help me. True God and true man is hearing you, but also according to his human nature, he knows what it means to be human, and he will assist you. And so the name of Jesus is so, so very, very powerful and so very wonderful. Okay. Talking a little bit about the name of Jesus, and I've obviously, you know, I've worked myself into a little bit of a lather here. So, so any questions, comments to, to, to tone me down a little bit here. So I, I think this is very important because this does apply to Christology and to the hope and to the comfort that you have in your baptism and in the supper. And when we are in the divine service, because we're two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in your midst. You know where Jesus is. But also, according to this passage, this one risen from the dead says, I am with you always. And that means that, you know, um, you know, you know, you get lost in a blizzard and your car runs off the road. Who's going to be with you? Jesus is. And who's going to be with you on your deathbed? Jesus will be. Okay, yes, Keith, go ahead. So, tone you down a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. This is, not, this is not specifically about names, but in Psalm 110, is God the Father telling you to what he will be doing when he comes, when he goes to earth. Yeah, yeah. Is ministry or his time, the second coming on the day of judgment. Yeah, okay. That's a real good question. I, can, I, can I beg, borrow, and, and leave that aside? I might not come back to it because i got so many names, but that's a really good question because, because to ask temporal questions, and, it, and at the, the, the Psalm 110, verse 1, is quoted often in the New Testament, and, and it's a rather deep issue, and I, I don't know if I want to tackle that right, right now, so I'm sorry I'm punting on, okay. on, on, on that. And I'm also going to punt because I'm, I, I thought, you know, when I got into the class, will I have enough material? You know, do I have to go into the Lord? And I don't, I'll just have to do this off the cuff. I mean, I can do it off the cuff, but instead, I haven't gone into the word Christ yet. I, I, I only semi-apologize because there's so much here. Are there any other questions about the name of Jesus and, and the comfort that the name of Jesus brings you? And this is very important for you, my brothers and sisters, because Jesus, he, he knows your temptations. He's overcome them because he himself, for example, we, we know that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and these are real temptations, right? And Jesus overcomes the temptations of Satan for you. And it's Jesus who dies on the cross. It is Jesus who rises from the dead. It is Jesus who commissions baptism. Jesus is with us, and we wear the name of Jesus proudly upon our, ourselves. We'll talk about Christ next week, and then we'll keep on going. And again, if you want to bring in a little piece of paper, uh, as I said, I do have certain standard things I do want to talk about in this class, 
But, but just like I, I gave the youth, I let them look at this 101 titles and names of Jesus. They, and they said, I want to learn about that pastor. And sure, especially when they're teaching the high school youth, I, I wanted to uh, let them uh, feel like they had some ownership. And so, um, but I did teach them main, main things. Well, God bless you. Go forth in the name of Jesus. You are his. Amen.